Good morning and welcome to the Vicki Child Show, P.I. Answers on Hear Women Talk, produced and broadcast by the Zeus Radio Network. I'm glad to have everybody join us today online and on the phone. We're, um, we're very, very excited about our special guest today, Cynthia Hetherington. I want to give you this phone number. If you have questions to call in for Cynthia, you can call 646-652-2071. Or you can chat live online and ask questions there. It, as a private investigator doing all sorts of investigations, especially background investigations, it's important to have Internet resources. And I use the Internet every day in one capacity or, or another and do database searches and all sorts of background searches. And it, I, I constantly uh, enjoy the benefit of information from somebody like Cynthia because she is an expert at what she does and what she knows. And the resources she has are incredible. So I've heard her speak on many occasions and mostly at our state private investigator association meetings. But she's, uh, she's a top in the field knowing about cybersecurity, Internet searches, where to find information, how to prevent information from getting out that you don't want out. And uh, we're really, really lucky to have her today in between all her travels and law enforcement training that she does. So, Cynthia, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Cynthia is a Jersey girl. Uh, I'm proud of it. And proud Absolutely. of it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I wear my snooky bump with pride. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> very bump. much for having me here, Vicki. I'm real excited to join you in the show today. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And, uh, Cynthia, if you would give our listeners a little bit of background information about yourself and, and how you got started and what you do. Well, it's, it's uh, not exactly the normal course for becoming a private investigator, but I, I started off as a, uh, a librarian. I have a graduate degree in library science, and I was working in the public library system, helping people find information and answers to their questions. And um, this is pretty pretty much about 20 years ago, so the Internet was just in its infancy. But I was also interested in computers at the time, so since 1988 I've been tiddling around and playing around with the Internet and working on computers and the uh, the two combined, you know, being a, what I call a geek and then being a nerd as a librarian, sort of really brought uh, cohesion together. And I realized, gee whiz, there's a lot of information that's out there. If I can only find a way to deliver that in a solid package, I could probably make a little bit more than your traditional public librarian salary. So I started on my way towards becoming a private investigator. So I guess that makes me a a nerd and a geek and a private eye, <laughs> <laughs> and but a darn sure good enough, one. It's, well, you know, we do we do our best to basically, you know, now answer questions for clients and to find the information. But I'm I'm sort of the new breed of private investigator because I do not do the traditional work of a lot of the surveillance and insurance style investigators where they're out there on the road and they're sitting in their vehicles and they're, you know, playing around with a lot of the very cool James Bond like equipment. I sit behind a desk. And I look at a computer all day long, and I do all of my work, all of my due diligence in corporate investigative matters from from the comfort of my office. And, you know, I think to, I like to think that I found the perfect kismet with what I love doing, what I'm very passionate about, and what is right now, you know, beyond the breaking edge of discovery of information. So we've, um, we've taken it to this point, and then for 20 years I've been little business, uh, a majority of my time, though, is spent training law enforcement and, uh, and the general public about Internet safety, how to use the Internet for investigations, how to protect their children, how to protect themselves, um, including cops who always believe that they're somewhat invincible because of the training and, and the, uh, you know, gee whiz, they carry a gun, I guess they're a lot more safer than I am. <laughs> We've also spent, we listen to me have the royalty, I have also spent a considerable amount of time writing about what uh, what I do and how I can help others. I'm very excited to announce the re-release of the second edition of both business background and online public records. So both of these books are very intensive with social network investigations, what to find in social networks, what not to put in there, how to conduct your investigations, um, foreign and domestic, actually with social networks, doesn't really matter anymore, but uh, foreign and domestic, and any number of, you know, whatever I could get out of my head and then to paper I do. 
the other uh, the other thing we're really excited is that coming well come January we'll be going into our tenth year of publication with the Data to Know newsletter, and that is the you know every other month publication that we talk what's out there on the internet and how to use it. As and the, the timing of our conversation today is perfect because the issue that's in the desk in front of me was the most recent issue that was published. It's called Facebook Confessions. So, Vicki, we're really ready and prepared to talk today to help your listeners um, protect themselves online, enjoy what's out there and online, because I'm a librarian first, and I think it's wonderful for sharing and disseminating sources, but make the applications possible for, you know, safe and and familiar use. Well, that's great news, and I, I want to give everybody your website information, which is Hetherington, H-E-T-H-E-R-I-N-G-T-O-N, group.com. That's your website. And if they want to purchase your books or look for your books, are they available at Amazon and other locations? Absolutely. The, uh, the information, just for the quick lookup, is on my website, but you can purchase them at Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles and all of the standard book vendors. Okay, great. So uh, I, I suggest that, uh, that anybody who's got an interest in that can can get those books. I'm lucky enough to have them already. So you mentioned social networking, which is extremely popular now. Even on Hear Women Talk, we do that and, and enjoy each other's information and, and conversations and, and groups. Facebook has become extremely popular. MySpace is extremely popular. Twitter um, what what should we know about protecting ourselves on, on ourselves on these social networking sites, and and what should we not worry about? I know it's a broad question, but did we lose Cynthia? Hey, right, Vicky, yeah, to, I'm afraid we did lose Cynthia. Okay, we're going to go to a break. We've lost Cynthia. We'll pick her back up and in just a second. So stay with us and we'll be right back with Cynthia Hetherington. You can chat in your questions or call in your questions. So stay with us. Hi folks, this is private investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all of your keystrokes? Or do you want to know what your child your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone. If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at abramsforensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at abramsforensics.com. That's abramsforensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code HWT. Welcome back to the Vicki Child Show. We had a apparel of live radio, but we're back. And Cynthia's back on the line. And we're, um, we were talking about social networking, Cynthia, and Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, and, and how all those can both expose us and our privacy, and but they can also be great tools for reaching out to our friends. So if you would talk a little bit about what they are and how they work, and then we'll talk about how to stay safe on them. Absolutely, and this is, this is definitely a good way to start this conversation because you really need to understand what you're getting involved in or getting yourself into and, and why you would go there and not just go, you know, rambling into social networks, not really understanding the environment. Um, both for practicality and for uh, and for being safe. Interestingly enough, what most people don't realize, because it's just blended in so smoothly into our society, social, these social networks, is that prior to the original websites like Zanga and what was really TribeNet and MySpace and all of the the initial social networks that were out there, was that very few people could have a voice on the internet. Very few people who knew how to either program uh, websites or knew how to, or could pay to program a website, could have a voice heard and could share information. When social networks really started coming onto the scene, and there's um, social networks are a result of Web 2.0 technology, which is just a total different computer architecture to what we've, we've been accustomed to, the developers told us how to build a website. And to keep it simple, it really comes down to this. 
what you used to need to get onto the Internet to have a voice was computer programming ability, the right software, and some finances to fund it. What you need now is just the ability to answer questions and click a mouse. So now social networks have made the Internet or the World Wide Web specifically accessible to the entire, to the entire world. It's a seamless interface so the individuals, the consumer doesn't realize, wow, I just need to go onto Facebook, answer some questions, and my, you know, my voice could be heard whether you're just talking about your grandkids or you're sharing company secrets or you're sharing embarrassing facts about yourself. You know, globally, people in China could be reading about it. And what it was in the past was, you know, a very conscious effort of having to upload and share information, whether it was your marketing message or a wedding website or something else. So the the environment has really, really opened up. And as far as investigations in this in this environment, it's wonderful. We could do whatever we want. I mean, we can find information on people without ever having to get out of our offices anymore because people are contributing it. On the flip side, you know, as users of the sources and these services, we are also exposing ourselves. And I think that's where a lot of people fall into some sticky situations is is that we are exposing a lot about ourselves birthdays home addresses when we go on vacation you know people know we're not home i mean there are lots of things that we that we talk about and say on these social networking sites that we probably shouldn't be saying what do you advise people to do well you know e- even more so i'd like to even give you a good example of this and, you know, real-life example, we had um, just talked about this in class yesterday. I was training a terrorism law enforcement organization, and, you know, one of my clear examples of this, for this group, you know, of trained, vetted, covert operatives, you know, people who know this, I said, you think you're untouchable, but you have to realize the, the head of MI6, which is the world's largest intelligence organization, the actual head, the, the man who's been there for 40 years in this field, has been through every kind of tunnel and hole and bureaucratic mess you could possibly imagine, and has been in every country possibly that's possible. His wife was uploading Facebook pictures of him and his kids and his grandkids, their vacation destination. She was Facebooking just like anybody else's spouse or family member or, or themselves. And she's enjoying, and it's, you know, for it, it's a shame that she can't, have that kind of open source lifestyle, but she's out there just sharing information. He had to leave his job because as a head of intelligence organization, she had compromised him and his family because now any anybody could go on her Facebook page and see their house, their kids, their vehicles, their vacation spots, you know, the head himself in a, in a Speedo on the beach in France. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and but it doesn't have, Vicky doesn't even have to be up at that level. Your mom, I always joke with my class, I say everybody gets on Facebook and kind of tries it out and says, oh, gee, this is a little fun. Then your parents get on there, and that's when people start changing their behaviors to what they're posting because they won't say certain things in front of their mother, and that's a really good rule of thumb. If you wouldn't say something in front of your mother, why would you say it on Facebook if she wasn't there? Mm-hmm. But then the irony of this is that your mom gets on there and starts, you know, messaging you on your on your board or uploading pictures of you when you were 12 with braces and pigtails. And, you know, so your moms get embarrassed because you're trying to be a business professional. You're connected to other business professionals or even colleagues at work. And then they're looking at pictures of you from college and, you know, when you're young and reckless. The reason that those cameras and those pictures should be left in the closet is because that's a memory and it's something from your past. It's not something you want dredged up you know, when you're 40 years old and going for a senior VP position. So there's there's a couple rules of thumb I'd like to talk about, but I'm not sure if you want to go right into the rules or if you'd like to kind of explore more of what's going on in this environment and how we could use it as a tool. Well, yeah, go ahead and, and talk about those rules and how how we might need to be more careful about personal information that we expose. I mean, I, as an investigator, I love being able to get that on people, especially yeah. especially when I'm doing background investigations and stuff. But if you're if you're trying to protect your kids, and I, I think uh, from from a parental standpoint, we all think of that in protecting our kids and protecting our kids' information. So so yeah, talk about that the security part. 
Well, you know, it, and it, it's real fascinating because I also think to this um, this fellow who the airline attendant for I think it was Southwest who just you know grabbed two beers, opened up the back chute, and kind of gave a take this job and shove it moment. I, yes. <laughs> again, Stephen Stephen Sandler or something, I believe. He, um, you know, he is a perfect example because I was trying to relay this to the average Joe and how this affects the average Joe. He is truly the average Joe. He's a working class guy, um, you know, every day goes to work, does his job, comes home, has relationships, you know, has little things that he likes to talk about or do. And, and you never would have known about him. The day after he pulled off his stunt and left the airport, he was his ex-wife from 20 years ago is on today's show talking to Matt Lauer and you know all these other people are getting interviewed and they're asking her specific questions like I understand and he has a problem with alcohol and drug addiction because he mentioned something on his MySpace page and she wouldn't have been sitting on that couch if he didn't have a MySpace page she wouldn't have been having this whole conversation but they had first found her because she was in his MySpace page and he identified her as an ex-spouse and then they started quizzing her on all the things he wrote on there so his own confessions on that social media was really what gave them fuel to start asking all kinds of questions of her and you know just probing into this man's life if there was a sense of discretion I don't know if I've got some uh, some old timers on the sh- on the show today but remember when discretion was alluring and having um I don't know, Vicky. You notice, like, you watch these reality shows today, and people just the, the more obscene things they do, the more TV time they get. Yes, and the more money they make. Absolutely, but the psychology behind it is that if I can get my 15 minutes of fame, I like you say, I might make more money, and this will propel me into a new future. And you know what? One out of every million people get lucky, and they become the next, uh, you know, housewife. But the rest of us are really just asking for a lot of trouble. And I'm going to talk about a few things. Um, this is what I call, this is my top ten list of what not to do in Facebook. Mm-hmm. The first step is don't write in a fury. If you're angry, if you're inebriated, which we see those messages too, <laughs> <laughs> or simply have a big secret that you're itching to share, it's time to step away from the keyboard. What you think is hysterical or outlandish now might only serve to embarrass you as a poster later. And I know you and I have both seen these messages where um, someone will get on to the websites. And, and here's here's a site for your for your visitors to check out. It's a website called youropenbook.org. Youropenbook.org. O-R-G. Mm-hmm. And this is, and it's all open source. They can go to there and they could search for little expressions like cheated on my husband. Seeing where people who might have been inebriated might might have been in a fury, think that only their friends are reading their posts. I cheated on my taxes and nobody caught me. Well, thanks. You just announced that in the middle of the Piggly Wiggly. Yeah. The next bit of advice: don't ignore Facebook's privacy controls. And this. before you get in. Hey, Cynthia, can you can you repeat what you just said? We, we had a moment there where we lost your voice. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. It's do not ignore Facebook or other social network privacy controls. Okay. Uh, you want to know if you're getting a Twitter account, if you're getting into MySpace, if you're getting into Facebook, you want to lock that down as much as humanly possible because if you're going to use this as a social medium to share photographs of your children with your mother who lives two states away and update your sister who lives three states away. Make sure those are the only people you're permitting to see your posts. Mm-hmm. And Facebook goes through great lengths to make sure that you know that you're insecure because there is no security when you start. You have to set the security parameters up. You know, And it, it was at the beginning, but they've changed your stance on that now, so it's our responsibility. Mm-hmm. If you don't care that you tell people all of your activities and what you're doing every time of the day, then you're quite frankly saying you don't care about your own personal security. Uh, a gal, um, I believe in South Carolina it was, just had her house robbed because she went onto her Facebook page and told everyone that her and her husband were going out to see a band play that night and they were all excited to go out and see their favorite band. 
one of her Facebook friends happened to see that message, went and robbed her house. They caught his face on their own surveillance camera. They posted his face in her own Facebook account. <laughs> and exactly, right? So she says, hey, this guy just robbed my house. We've got a picture of him. And one of her other friends on Facebook said, oh, that's Roger from eighth grade. You friended right. him. Right. So, you know, ridiculous stories. But every time we announce something like that, we're just asking for someone to, you know, know a little too much about our business. I was going to mention, you, you talked about kids. Yes. Don't post your children's name in a photo caption. That you, you tell, you're all excited to put your kids' and your grandkids' pictures up there and share this with the world, and this is all of you down in uh, Disneyland or, you know, out on Myrtle Beach or having a good time. And then you've got the names of the kids, and now we know what schools are going to and get all their schedules. This is exactly what we teach in Internet Crimes Against Children, what not to do, because you have just given predators all the information they need to reach out and start talking to these little ones. Mm-hmm. You know, and that could be, you know, soccer practice, cheerleading camp. And I know it's hard to not let kids, because kids love to see themselves on the computer, but you got to start teaching with discretion right from the beginning. Well, and kids do kids do things too, like say, you know, I'm I'm going to cheerleading practice at four o'clock, or yeah. whatever whatever they whatever they're involved in, they do that, and uh, or they'll say, so and so is my new BFF, and we are going to the beach tomorrow at one o'clock and lay in the sun. And and the the shame of it is is that the 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 teenagers, I mean, really, from 20 years and under, they have grown up with this medium. To you know, to us old timers, we're still kicking around and trying to figure this all out and understand. You know, gee whiz, it's okay to share your entire life story, but they grew up in this, so this is a very natural social occurrence for them. To try to start pulling them back a little, you have to, you know, it, it's it's the I should put it this way: we are in the way. Mm-hmm. To the kids, this is a new social occurrence. A parent just has to realize just because it's a darn computer doesn't mean it's something different that you have to handle differently. You would probably teach your children, don't talk to strangers. If a man pulls up in a van and says he has puppies in the back of it, don't get in. You know, Don't uh, drink the Kool-Aid of anyone who hands it to you. We've been t- we teach our kids these security practices. You know, or these safety practices from the day they're born. That's why we have dare programs and all kinds of, you know, don't do drugs, don't drink, talk to me. It's right, stranger danger and all that stuff. Exactly. Why is the Internet going to be treated any differently in the social media? So will you sit down with your kids and talk about all the other problems and say, like, and by the way, be really careful about what goes on in social networks. You know, be really cognizant of, you know, your friend's behaviors. And even if, if they're, again, the bullying and the intimidation, if they're doing it, doesn't make it right for you to do it. And if they start having a fight online, don't follow into the behavior. Step away from the computer. Exactly. The um, And now one of the huge things that's occurring now uh, we see is um, people's accounts are starting to get hijacked. And one of the, the biggest problems is you'll get a message from a, what you think is a friend in your little Facebook world and you you accept the message and you click on a link and it takes you to a, a YouTube video or something like that. It turns out your friend never really sent you the link. It mm-hmm. was uh, malware and you now have infected your computer with uh, right. an antivirus. Mm-hmm. And now the bad guys can take over your profile. We just saw an example yesterday in class of a young girl and I'm absolutely sure her page was hijacked because there's a picture of her sitting there in her bra and panties, and the exclamation of herself was absolutely derogatory. She, you know, the statement was, I, I cheated on every man I've ever been with, I'm a nasty woman, and things that are too profane for the listener to hear. I'm sure that this gal did not go up there and post this horrendous picture and this horrendous statement about herself, but someone hijacked her account, so you really should make sure you got good passwords, you keep your antivirus off of running, and don't accept messages from people if you didn't solicit them. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've got a Facebook page, page mostly just to connect with, with college friends and, and high school friends, and I've gotten friend requests from people that I've never even heard of and have no idea who they are. So I always 
ignore those and, and don't accept them. But but kids will think, ah, maybe I know that person, maybe I don't, and then they'll just accept them not knowing who they are. And, uh, and well, there's a risk in that, like you said. And you know, to tell you the truth, the only reason that you're unique and don't accept just anyone is not because you're an adult. It's because you're Vicky Child's PI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you automatically have suspicion and think that there's mayhem behind every every corner. And that's, but most, not children, most individuals will start accepting um, friend requests unless they have just a little bit of hesitancy and are a little more wary of their circumstances. So I can't pin this just on kids. I notice adults do the same thing. And as an investigator, we take advantage of that. Sure. You know, because we know that we can, we don't have to create undercover accounts and get all nefarious. We could kind of come in and just say, hey, I want to be your friend. And you could tell those who do and those who don't, the people who do, the, the, the statistic for Facebook is that you'll have 130 friends. You know, hey, Vicki, I don't know about you. I just moved. And 130 people did not show up at my old house to help me move into my new house. <laughs> you know, th- but those are the associates that you might recall 20, 30 years ago from high school and college. And you say, yeah, you know, it's not bad to reconnect with them just to see what they're up to. It's like bumping into someone on the street. It's like you'll spend five minutes and have a chat with them to see how they're doing. But you don't have a day-to-day life with them. So that 133 is not really an honest number, but it is the the statistic that Facebook tells us is average. Anything past that, you really don't care who you're friending. You're mm-hmm. just bringing everyone into your, exactly. your little, you know, little fun house. And you're bringing people that you don't know, and you're also bringing your friends' friends. Mm-hmm. And your friends' friends can have ill-conceived have reasons for wanting, to, for wanting to be your friend. Yeah. Um, Cindy, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in, in a couple of minutes and talk more about security and privacy and and how we go about protecting ourselves and um, remember if you have questions to call in you can call 646-652-2071 this is Hear Women Talk broadcast by the Zeus Radio Network stay with us we'll be right back hi folks this is private investigator Vicki Childs host of the Vicki Childs show on Hear Women Talk Radio How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all your keystrokes? Or do you want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone? If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at abramsforensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at abramsforensics.com. That's abramsforensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code HWT. All right, welcome back to the Vicki Kyle Show on Hear Women Talk. Produced and broadcast by the Zeus Radio Network. We're extremely happy to have Cynthia Hetherington with us this morning. And before the break, we were talking about... Facebook and MySpace and and what information is out there and how you can fix your privacy settings so that you can prevent some of that from being seen by everybody. Um, Cindy, I want to talk about Internet dating a little bit because that's more and more popular and also Craigslist and how sites like that are used to hook up or whatever phrase people are using these days. Um, so talk about those those things. Internet dating is very, very popular, and sometimes they have great results and sometimes they don't. I've even done backgrounds on people that my clients have met on online on these Internet dating sites, and then they want to know more about that person, assuming the person gave them a correct name and information. But, so talk about Internet dating a little bit. It's funny because you say first you want to go from Craigslist then to Internet dating. I'm going, like, we're going from the bar to the flea market. Exactly. <laughs> But but really, that's and Vicky, I can't stress this enough. There's there's a couple of pieces behind all of it, but the two key things here are it's it's just the application of using a computer for what you would normally do, and in the social network world and the socializing world, just remember that word social keeps keeps on and keeps continuing. It's going to be a fraud, behavior, or a liar, or would over 
overstate themselves in in a real life situation, there's a definitely a chance that they're going to do this in an internet environment. And if they have the chance of putting it anonymity, which an internet environment creates, there's an even higher likelihood of it. So people will always expand on their profiles and make themselves look good. Because, you know, if you don't wave your own flag, who will? <laughs> so, you know, we're all a little thinner. We're all a little taller. You know, we're all a little wealthier. And, you know, that could be in the sense of, just our own thoughts on herself, but again, it comes down to the socialization. Now, what's interesting, what I've heard in the past is that, you know, these dating sites could be something to steer clear of, and there are certainly websites that you want to be a little more hesitant on about sharing your own information, but there's also a psychological test, and forgive me for not remembering what it is, but these 17 to 21 questions that you answer, I think, and I'm not plugging these sites, but I think Match.com is one of them, where you have to answer the psychological profile. That's been used in psychological exams years before the call of it. If someone is truly an authentic individual and sits down and answers those questions honestly, there's a very good chance that the person that they're going to meet up with is going to be a good match. Because it's, it's just like putting a square peg in a square, in a square hole. But if they're dishonest and nefarious to begin with and they just lie through the whole thing because they're looking for someone to have an inappropriate relationship with or they're struggling with their own issues, you know, there's no difference between using the Internet to meeting them in person at a bar. You know, if you walk up to someone at a, a coffee shop even and you start a conversation and say, oh, we kind of had a kismet there, you know, that, that person should still have a little bit of a background check on them just as much as you will with the Internet. The danger here is when you have absolute predators taking a hold of these Internet connections and getting into there. When you have, you know, uh, people who would absolutely abuse their charisma. And in my book, Business Background Investigations, I call these, um, you know, charismatic fraudulent individuals. You know, they're the Bernie Madoffs who truly believe their own lies. And they are also the person who will go out there and just keep propagating their little myths until, you know, they suck everyone else into their little pool. Those are the individuals that you really want to be wary of. And guess what? On the Internet, you have no idea which character you're dealing with. Yeah, you don't. So it's true. It's a buyer beware. That's why, you know, companies like yours and mine will always be in business because whether you're having a, a meeting someone in a relationship or you think you've found the right, you know, let's not even make this a personal thing. What if I'm just looking for a good plumber, you know, or I need an electrician to do some work in my house? Mm -hmm. Do I just go out to the Internet and believe all the marketing that they put out there on their website? Do I go to certain services like um, Rip Off Report and look them up? There's another one, ripoffreport.com. We have to be careful because competition for those companies will go in there and write lies or spread propaganda on them to make the other company look bad. So you got to go to solid sources like business backgrounds or uh, the BBI or the Chamber of Commerce and get a sense of what that company's like. Mm -hmm. You know, the old expression, on the Internet, no one knows you're a dog, will never go away. That will always be true. And, you know, talking about predators and and keeping kids safe, we, um, well, we, we talked about this on a previous show a little bit, but but in, in this day and age with the computers and with the predators being out there, even if they're adults seeking adults like the Craigslist guy who recently killed himself in jail, mm -hmm. um, he had a specific reason for doing what he was doing and he was targeting certain people. And predators will target certain people as well and, and get them engaged in conversations on the Internet and suck them in. So... Keeping keeping kids safe and with privacy settings and parental monitoring and you know, however parents can best do that, whether it's with software or or sharing over shoulder or making kids use a computer in front of them so that they know what's going on, it's it's constant. It's constant monitoring. When I was growing up, we just went outside in the yard and played. We didn't have all this to deal with. Well, and and I, I miss playing. Playing was fun. We even have the obesity we have today. <laughs> That's true. 
But, we, but I'll tell do. you, even with all the safety and precautions in place, because you said all the things you're supposed to do, I mean, a kid should not be locked up. I've been in the, in the high-tech crime world for 20 years. And, you know, the, the, we've been teaching this forever. You know, if your son has 14 computers and all sorts of, you know, array, like some of them are open, some of them are using, some of them are servers, you know, you know or they're locked to their laptop, you know, all day long. If they don't come out, if they don't socialize with other kids, if they don't actually have an actual life outside of their computer world, then, you know, shame on you as a parent because there's time for it to be on, time for it to be off. When I say a computer, I also include cell phones, PDAs, and everything else. That's all just another style of computer and a way that they get to connect or disconnect. But, you know, uh, unless, God forbid, your child is disabled and it's the only way they communicate with the outside world, there's no reason why they can't get out there and start meeting with other folks. Same thing holds true for adults. That's just a way to repress yourself and repress your your, your outside um living, you know, with other people if you lock yourself behind a computer all day. And the predators will find them. The predators will keep an eye out and they'll look for these people. So, But let's just talk about the average kid who should come home, use the computer for a little bit of socializing, a lot of homework, and then, you know, they go do something else. The computer should be definitely in a room, a full view of the parent. Um, I've had parents who've come and have told me, I absolutely respect my child's privacy, you know, but I'm concerned about what they're doing on the Internet. First of all, the parents better know the sites that they're on. And I don't mean just know, I know that my kid is on Facebook. You better know what Facebook is, get into it yourself, create your own account, understand what they're, what's going on in there, friend your child. Um, children under 12 shouldn't be on there anyway, but even for the teenagers, you know, get in there and be part of it. And if you feel like you're invading your child's privacy, I'm I'm the parent, I'm the person who says, you know, tough cookies because you're under 18 years old. As a parent, you're absolutely responsible for that child. And if it means, you know, interloping on their online behavior, well, so be it. So, you know, and, and yeah, I have Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Monitoring is, is, is very important. And I do that myself, too. I monitor, uh, especially my 14-year-old, what he does. And it... He he uses it a lot for homework, the computer, and he uses it for Facebook and stuff too. But I do monitor, and I think parents have to. It's it's like putting your kid in a car and not requiring an orange seatbelt. Uh, and you know, I'll, I'll give you a good example of what why we're doing this. You know, we have um, crimes against children are constantly. The first thing that the investigators do when a child goes missing and and you really only have 24 hours and I hate to be cold about this but if you don't find a kid in 24 hours you know chances of finding that kid alive are very very slim so you know if if all of a sudden your kid goes missing and you don't even know what Facebook accounts they have and what services they have you are now impeding a a law enforcement officer's uh, ability to do his job you know, but if you're well aware of what their activities are and the last people they've talked to and everything else, you now have been become an asset to the investigation instead of a liability. The um, a, another good example, though, and even as much and as diligent as we can try, the young gal in St. Louis, who unfortunately got involved with um, uh, what she thought was a 16-year-old boy named Joshua, after a month of online chitter chatter back and forth. Uh, the Joshua character signed off with, you know, the world would be a better place without you. So the young girl ended up hanging herself in the closet. You know, and that whole case went to trial and ended up pretty much, you know, with no winners. No winners in this case. But interestingly enough, the parents of that young girl monitored her activity, had the computer in the living room, and were aware that she was chatting with this young man, Joshua. So, you know, her behavior had not gone in excessive. They weren't overly flirting or getting out of hand. But she was a 13-year-old who was spending too much time and too much of herself personally invested in having conversations with this one young fabricated male online and hung all of her her hopes on him. You know, you got to ask yourself at one point, where were the parents when they said, you know, honey, why don't you get off the computer and go out and hang out with your friends? Mm-hmm. So there's and an I, and, and, I think, and, and there has to be that. There has to be that, that cutoff where you say, 
get outside and do something else or come, come down here with the family and we're going to do something together or whatever it is. And, and it is easy to to have them walk into that computer and not ever get off. Um, Cynthia, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about background investigations, database searches, and things that, that private investigators can do for, for folks. And we'll get into that a little bit. Stay with us here on the Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk, and we'll be right back. Hi folks, this is private investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all of your keystrokes? Or do you want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone? If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at abramsforensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at abramsforensics.com. That's abramsforensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code HWT. Welcome back to the Vicki Child Show, P.I. Answers, here on Here Women Talk. If you have questions, you can call in at 646-652-2071, or you can chat online live as we talk. Cynthia, before the break, we were we were talking about kids and cybersecurity. I wanted to talk just a little bit about backgrounds, because I have a lot of clients who come to me, and they want to check out somebody before they marry them, or before they continue dating them, if it's somebody they're kind of interested in and I've even had parents call me wanting to check out their prospective son-in-law or daughter-in-law or the person that their child is dating just because either sometimes there's a lot of money involved or there might be other issues that they have concerns about so as private investigators we have a lot more access to what the ordinary person can have but ordinarily just a sometimes some simple Internet searches can can clean some information, and then if you need deeper, uh, hiring private investigator is certainly the best way to do that because of all the stuff that we have access to. So, talk a little bit about in your experience with the background information world. It's funny that you mentioned this because we just had a case come through my office where the a concerned father of a grown woman, you know, twenty something years old doesn't like her boyfriend and apparently he's just kind of sitting on the couch and playing on Facebook in Farmville all day but the uh, the uh, the young gallant man claims to have a, a law degree to be um, a member of one of the state bars and um, can't work now because you know the government has frozen his funds and you know he's got some sort of investigation going on because of the work he's done so the father called us up and, you know, sent us a few dollars and said, please, you know, just check out, just do some fact-checking on what this young man has claimed for his background. And we don't normally do a lot of that, but I'll tell you, it was compelling enough, and there, you know, was the information that he had to look up, so it was very straightforward for us to do. And he could have done it himself. We called the, the state bar that he supposedly belonged to, and, uh, you know, we inquired, is this man an attorney? Did he pass the bar in your state? Did he even apply for the bar in your state? And the answer was no. We called the university this young man claimed to have graduated from. And I'm saying called, but you can also do these requests online, so I should focus this on Internet. You know, you, you could, and we start there. We go to the website of the university. We scroll through the admissions office. We find out the registration point. And uh, and then we contact him and say, did this man graduate the school? We don't want to know his grades. We don't want certified transcripts. We just want to know, did he attend and did he graduate? Because that would indicate that he had had a law degree. Mm -hmm. And then and then finally, we started doing searches on a, a federal database, a district court database called Pacer. And in that service, you know, it's five cents a record. You know, we could go ahead or eight cents. It's, it's ridiculously low cost. And I just searched to see if there were any uh, U.S. versus this fellow's last name's cases to see if he had had um, any any of the federal agencies who decided to file claims against him because his assets were frozen by the federal government. 
or even if he had to file for bankruptcy or anything that would come through a district court in that fashion. So the steps for the person at home would have been, you know, uh, log into a federal database like PACER, and you have to go. In fact, probably the best thing I could share here right now is a website called publicrecordsources.com because it's a free database. It's publicrecordsources.com. This is a, a free access. This is a fun site for people to start off if you want to play amateur sleuth or if you just want to be a more effective investigator and you don't want to have to hunt and peck. The disclaimer here is this is also this is from BRB Publications, who are also the publishers of my books. But it's I'll share this with everyone who asks. If you go to publicrecordsources.com, you just start right at the beginning. You pick the state that you are looking at the person in, and see what's available. You can go and look up all of their um, if if there's any uh, criminal histories. You could start and see in some states and some counties those are available. Uh, civil histories, many states and counties, those are available. You can look up and see if they own the property that they own. And I say don't start with somebody else. Start with yourself. Look yourself up and look and actually see how much information is available in public records. Mm-hmm. And then start doing searches on yourself in the public information world, not public records, but public information and that's by going out there and start to Google yourself, which is a, a funny expression, but you put your name in quotations in Google and start looking to see what comes up. You will be surprised where your address, your kids' names, your Facebook pages, your Twitter accounts, all that will start rising to the top unless you are blessed with a very popular name. If your name is Michael Smith, you're really, you kind of fall off the map because there's so many of you out there. But if you have a, a unique name like Vicki Childs, <laughs> if if you're out there, you're going to show up. Yeah, I've I've done that on myself, and actually found out that there were others, and uh, and one who is a a writer. So it is interesting when you do that on yourself, and you find out what information is out there. That said, though, there are there there's a, there's a limit to what you can find out without going to someone who has the access to to search these paid databases like you and I have and then that's where the information can get deeper and wider and you can find out more just like the father who wanted to know about this guy um, there's certainly information out there that we can find out well that's why I call it, well, that's why I say if you want to play amateur sleuth yeah if you want there are things you can do before you come to us and most of the people that come to me have already done some of their own sleuthing and see now here's the danger once you if you go out there and you start playing around and looking at stuff and using the free resources that's one thing when you start getting asked to pay for certain like their databases that'll say I'll tell you what that cell phone number is or right. you know we gave you their address but if you click this button we'll give you more information just give me your, your credit, credit card, card number right <laughs> buyer beware because you know what you're just throwing your money out the door I, yeah. I can't, you know, you, if you're going to start paying for things, the best thing you do is pay for a professional mm-hmm. because we have tools and resources and databases that we're absolutely vetted to have access to. We understand the databases, uh, the database information that gets spewed back to us, and we are, you know, we're cognizant of the, the limitations that's also available. Like you and I, Vicki, know that if we go and start looking for a phone number by using Google and someone offers to give us the contact information or the real person's information for $10 behind it, we know that $10 is getting thrown away because nothing is going to be better than our specialized databases. Correct. But, you know, and and the misconception, I think, is that a lot of folks think hiring a PI, you know, that we all peek through windows and, you know. Yeah. Well, a lot of the information you find on the Internet, too, even for those those people that are asking for your credit card, a lot of that information is not current. It might be a year or more old. And typically what we're able to find out is is much more current information. So I, I guess in, in, in what we've talked about today, leaving our listeners with information on be more private on your Facebook, be more private on your MySpace, and more private on the information that you put out there for everybody to see. If you want to swap pictures with your mom... Do it in your email or, or set up one of those um, 
one of those places that you have to give them access to to go on and see the pictures. Yeah, be careful about your where where you're going and telling people where you're going and how long you're going to be there and telling people that you're going to be on vacation. I never put that kind of information on my Facebook. Um, I might when I get back, I might say had a great time in so and so, but I never. I never do it while I'm gone. And those are things just to, to look out for your own safety. Look out for your kids' safety by monitoring what they do on the computer. And be careful about who you meet on the Internet. Most of the time, it might be fine. But a lot of times, people are not who they say they are, and they, their intentions are not what they say they are. So what would you leave our listeners with in, in closing this out? As a, a few, You gave your ten, ten things, um, which I love, and everybody should know. Well, you know, it, it's, it, and it's, it really comes down to a very basic thing we were taught since we were kids from our parents, just, you know, look both ways before crossing the street. Uh, it's, use what you know already. You don't have to create a whole new security set of skills for yourself. Just apply what you know and good common sense and a whole dose of discretion, and then you can apply it to this environment and enjoy it. You know, but be always be a wary customer there, and as new things are going to come out and be more applicable, be an even more wary customer. But you know, don't just dismiss the whole social network world because it's a wonderful phenomenon. You know, just enjoy it with some patience and and some skills. Yeah, and if you wouldn't advertise it on a billboard, don't put it on Facebook either, probably. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Cynthia, thank you so, so much for being with us today. I encourage you, our listeners, to go out and get your books if if they um, are inclined to read about this kind of information because it's really good stuff. Um, you can you can find out more about Cynthia and the work she does at Heather, heatheringtongroup.com. And those websites you gave us today, thank you so much for that because most people don't know about those if they haven't sat through your seminars before. So, again, thank you for being with us. Thanks to all you listeners who, who were with us today. Thank you to Dustin, my producer, back in the studio. And um, you've been listening to the Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk. And we'll see you next Thursday. Join Dottie Laster at 1 o'clock for Trafficked, her show that's uh, on Hear Women Talk. 